Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Yeah. I let Coach Sumlin, yeah. I let the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money, and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. Hello and welcome to the Around the Twelve podcast. My name is Tanner Price, and I'm here with my co-host Greg Hockert. Um, Greg, how was your Bedlam experience? Oh, Tanner was fantastic experience. Well, <laughs> what more do you want me to say? I um, was <laughs> accused of emotionally hedging. Um, what you did? Allegedly, I will not. I will not admit. I will not admit guilt allegedly accused of emotionally hedging. Um, but you know what? Uh, Oklahoma State won, and you can – my plan worked. It worked. Um, I hedged. said – You emotionally hedged. I, I said – I'm a man of my word. I said last year I will I'll never pick Oklahoma State to win a Bedlam game again. And, you know, I uh, I didn't, but they, they, proved, they proved me wrong. And, Tanner, I was, I was so happy. Just the pure joy that came as a result of that game. I don't think that many people outside of the state of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State fans really understand how much that meant. Like there are there are rivalries. I'm not pretending that Bedlam is like the best rivalry in college sports, but when you add in that it's an in-state rivalry, you add in that Oklahoma outside of the Thunder have not had professional sports here for the majority of Oklahoma's existence. You add the fact that it's been lopsided in football for 115 years and that Oklahoma state fans every year, Tanner have to go through the pain of like losing the game and, and worse getting close. Like there's been like probably five or six games in the last 15 years that could have gone either way that all went OU's way. Um, and and this weekend was an example of one of those could have gone either way and it finally went our way and it felt so good yep it was it was definitely it was definitely a good time I do have to say that I was very excited um, and it was it was a, it was a good it was a great game I do have to say that also the series ending on such a good game also made it it made it better um, it's kind of, it it's kind of, it's kind of like that, the, like the, it's kind of like the end of a TV show when it has such a good ending that you, that you're left wanting more, even though you kind of know deep down, like, okay, it's okay that it's ending, but it was such a good ending, man. I just like, I want one more episode. I want one more game. That's kind of how I feel, but I know that going out on a win is the best way for it to end for for me at least and for you um no i I can't speak on um i can't speak on those wearing crimson and cream um on their behalf but i can speak on behalf of myself that that was a picture perfect ending um and tanner i know i know it's a slim chance i i do but i am praying that um ou remains out of the conference championship game because that is the like if texas were to slip up and and ou and osu somehow have a rematch of That'd be a that'd be a precarious situation we would have gotten ourselves into. It it will definitely be interesting to see what happens coming down the wire. Um, but before we jump in to the week ten results, Greg, it's already week ten. Even though there's the bye week, so everybody's only played nine games. Um, but it's already week ten. We're coming to it. Um, so 
it's kind of sad that another season of football has almost passed us by. But before we get into these these Week 10 results, I, I just want to mention that college basketball started on Monday night. It was a great, great um, night of basketball, unless you are an Oklahoma State fan. Uh, Oklahoma State was the only team to lose to a mid-major, and what a mid-major means is that they're not a part of the Power Six conferences. And yes, I say six because in basketball, uh, the Big East is a is considered a power conference in in college basketball, and and those typically consist of your um, your Jesuit college basketball schools. So Villanova, Xavier, Georgetown, schools like that, they they are also considered a power conference. But Oklahoma State was the only one to lose of all 14 schools to a mid-major. I do have to mention Kansas State did lose, but they lost to number 21 USC only by 13. So a decent game there. But every other Big 12 team won just like they should, except for Oklahoma State. Um, and we will definitely we will definitely be talking about basketball later on, probably once college football season wraps up and it will be time to start focusing on basketball. But I just wanted to throw that one out there. Also, Greg, I think we need to mention that we forgot to talk about the CFP last week. We mentioned well, okay, okay. To to be fair, we we recorded on Monday, so the CFP rankings had not been unveiled. I think I casually mentioned we, it. At we some talked point. about we talked about the AP poll n- no longer mattering because yes. the CFP was coming out, but we did record on a Monday, so that did not allow us to uh, really talk about the CFP and what happened. But ultimately, we were left with five ranked schools. Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Kansas. So those those were the five ranked schools going into this weekend. And Greg, let's hop into it. Let's we're not going to talk about a ranked matchup here, but we are talking about a little bit of a Texas rivalry, if I may say so myself. TCU goes into Lubbock and they fall to Texas Tech, thirty-five to twenty-eight. Greg, what are your what are your thoughts on this game? It was a really good game. This weekend did not disappoint overall. Um, we were talking beforehand, and we really only had one blowout throughout the seven-game slate that we retreated to um, over the course of uh, Saturday plus Thursday with TCU and Tech. So, yeah, the the TCU Tech, I mean, it was a good game. Um, <laughs> I think the the funniest part about this entire game doesn't has nothing to do with football. It's the fact that <laughs> weird things happen in Lubbock period and it happened on thursday night a possum runs out onto the field and they have to bring out i don't even know who it was like some sort some version of animal control to get it off the field and it put up a fight (laughs) (laughs) arguably arguably a a, a bigger fight than tcu put up against texas tech but man i just thought that was hilarious and like it's such an interesting place. I will never really be able to understand it. And um, the possum situation just added to it. Um, but outside of that, I thought Baron Morton played really well. They had him back. He was he, he's healthy again. Um, that was uh, I, they, they really missed him. I mean, he is technically their backup quarterback. Um, but Tanner, as we've talked about, we've talked about Baron Morton, I feel like a lot uh, in the last year or so. He's no backup. We've been impressed with him since the first game he started. So uh, it was very vital that they had him back. The offense looked a lot better. Um, and, yeah, I think home field advantage really played a 
uh, factor because this one could have gone either way. Yes, for sure. Baron Morton didn't throw any interceptions. Texas Tech had no fumbles on offense. That's great when you have uh, when you have no turnovers, and then you also win the turnover battle, forcing two interceptions. They were actually both both interceptions were by Dadrian Taylor Demerson. So um, fantastic game. When you get one interception as a defend as a defensive player, you're ecstatic. When you get two, you feel like you're on top of the world. So great. Great game from Tech. Um, TCU did try to try to pull back in there in the fourth quarter. They were down by two scores. They score with 4:54 left in the game, but no luck on the onside kick. And Texas Tech improves to four and five. So it's kind of a still still not the year they were expecting. But when you take into account some of the weird things that have happened and then the injury situation that they've had you'll take any conference when you can get and you're fighting for bowl eligibility. So Texas Tech fans, take it, be happy. You beat an in-state rival. Um, whereas TCU, on the other hand, is just like downward spiral. Like, I don't think, Tanner, the, I forget what stat it was that I saw. Um, I believe it was something along the lines of, uh, it, it's either been a really long time or it's never happened before that a team that played in the national championship the following year misses a bowl game. And TCU is awfully close to that. I mean, they have to win, what, two out of their next three? Yes. Two, two of which are Texas and OU. <laughs> I mean, good good luck. I, I mean, OU looks vulnerable. Um, We'll talk later about this. They host Texas this weekend. I mean, if their fans get up for it, you maybe make it a tough place to play. But, um, yeah, they're not – I mean, like you mentioned, it's crazy how fast the season's flown by, but we're in the territory of, like, firmly being able to declare, like, hey, this team's probably not making a bowl game. And when you and, – and if you would have told me before the season started that that team would have been TCU, I mean, I wouldn't – I, I would have been shocked. Uh, like, I, I understand they lost a lot. They lost NFL talent. But they had probably one of the best transfer portal classes in the conference. Um, so they've got some things to figure out um, in Fort Worth. Yes, they do. All right, Greg, let's go ahead and talk about Kansas State going into Austin and losing to Texas in overtime by three. You mentioned you had a, a bone to pick with Chris Kleinman of Kansas State. The floor is yours, man. I I do, Tanner. Here, I this was my dream scenario for this weekend. Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma, and Kansas State beats Texas. You have the two teams that are leaving your conference lose, and you have the two ag schools and the small college towns that nobody thinks are cool outside of you know people that actually appreciate real college towns. Um, Go in and beat the big, bad, you know, SEC teams. Kansas State has to screw it up for us, Tanner. They, they look, they had a great comeback. Okay, they, they were down 17-0 to start the game. A lot of people flipped the channel. Um, most people probably flipped the channel. Uh, but they fought back. They came back. Will Howard played very well, threw for 327 yards and four touchdowns. Um Got no help on the ground game, but I will say part of that was probably the fact that they were um, coming from behind. I mean, they needed to throw the ball down the stretch. They still had 
uh, with sacks, 29 attempts uh, for only 40 yards. So 1.4 yards of carry is, is, is not, not good. Um, and then Tanner, that, that whole quarterback, you know, carousel that they've been running on. Um, Will Howard played the entire game. Avery Johnson throws one pass and has one rushing attempt, neither of which were successful. <laughs> so I don't know if this was just a Will Howard more experienced, put him in on the road against a top 10 Texas team or what. But um, so, so I don't hate that choice. I like the fact that Will Howard played. Here's the bone I have to pick, Tanner. Why in the world you, you are on the road, you come back, points are valuable in football. You, you, only, get, you only get a certain number of possession, possessions. You only get a certain number of chances to score each game. You're down by six. You get the ball. You score a touchdown. And Chris Kleiman decides to go for two. Get the extra point. Go up by one. I, I don't understand what analytics. Chris Kleiman has fully dove into analytics. It is like the complete opposite of Bill Snyder's Kansas State teams that were so disciplined, one on special teams, one on defense, and their quarterbacks are running. The only similarity between that team and this team is the fact that the quarterback can run, and they still run quarterback power. And Chris Kleiman is the offensive, or uh, Chris Kleiman, Colin Klein is the offensive coordinator. Why are we going for two? I I don't care. I didn't get a math degree. I was a business major. I'm not going to pretend I'm, I'm I'm an engineering math math major. I I I'm not. But you have to understand situation. And what analytics take away from football is it, it, it doesn't put into account situational football on the road, need to go up by one. I don't care what analytics say. It's it's like, oh, my gosh, it it, it, it drives me nuts, Tanner. I'm not saying they would have won the game if they kicked that extra point, but they go up by one. Texas, the, or they would have gone up by one. They instead failed the two-point conversion, so it's tied. Texas kicked a field goal. Uh, Kansas State, they traded a couple, like two more possessions. Um, and then Kansas State went down and, and kicked a field goal to send it into overtime. Had they kicked the extra point and it played out like it did, which there's no reason it wouldn't have, they win the game by one in regulation. Yeah, there's no, there's no advantage of going for two there. There's no advantage. The game is tied. You go for two, you get it. Okay, great. Texas goes down, kicks a field goal. They're up by one. What? What good? What, the, what play in football you, gets you one point other than the point after a touchdown? Like that you, doesn't that you, doesn't you, give you anything. You know, you know what this reminds me of, Tanner. This is like, you know, have you ever been on a road trip and the GPS is telling you to go one direction and you just know that that's not the right direction to go in, but you're like, you know what? It's technology. It's the GPS. It knows what it's doing. I'm gonna listen. And it's wrong. That's yes. Chris Kleiman listening to analytics. He's like, well, you know, probably doesn't sound right, but it's telling me to do it. And it's analytics and it's smarter than I am. So I'm just going to listen to it blindly and, and and not ask any questions. Chris Kleiman is 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 has lost his mind because that's not the first that like if this was a one off scenario, you get a pass. This is not the first time he has gone for two in a questionable moment. I was sitting in the stands in Stillwater. Very. Oh, frankly, very thankful they were going for two in this situation. I don't even remember what the scenario was, but it made no sense for them to go for two. And I, I, I think we, Tanner, we had some buddies. You know, I think you guys were texting us that they were trying to try. The announcers were trying to explain on the broadcast why it made sense. And if you're having to try to explain to your audience why it makes sense to go for two, 
it doesn't make sense to go for two. You kick the extra point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think I think we uh we beat that one to death. What do you what do you say, Greg? Yeah, I feel a little bit better. I I, <laughs> I will say I don't want to take anything away from Texas. Um, they 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 play well enough to win. Clearly, um, you know they're they're missing Quinn Ewers. It, it, it's no doubt. Uh, Malik Murphy is is not. Um, he's a freshman. You know he made he's a red, he's a he's a redshirt freshman. He, he he made freshman mistakes was really my only point. Like he he just made some dumb mistakes that. Quinn Ewers has not made up to this point this year. Um, and, and you know, a team that has a smarter head coach, maybe capitalizes off of turnovers a little bit better, doesn't dig themselves into a hole the way Kansas State did in the first quarter, uh, Texas loses to that team. Um, if this game was on the road, you can make an argument that Texas loses this game. So, um, again, not taking anything away from Texas. They played, they played a good game. You can see the talent at receiver is is helping Malik Murphy, but uh, they need Quinn Ewers back. Um, got it's got to be what Tanner? Maybe one more game and then he's back. So I was just I was just looking at that. Um, it was diagnosed as a grade two AC joint sprain, which is typically a six to eight week recovery. He's supposedly recovering faster than expected. He started throwing the ball this week and is listed as day-to-day going into this weekend. So they don't have the toughest matchup this week. But you don't want anything to surprise you. So I'm not entirely sure what they're going to do, and I think it might just be a game-time decision if I'm being completely honest. Let me ask you a quick question real quick. Do you – do you think there's – I mean, I, I know we're not really conspiracy theory guys. Do you think there's anything going on behind the scenes at Texas as to why Arch Manning isn't playing, or do you think it's truly because they believe Malik Murphy's the better quarterback at this current moment? No, I don't think it's that they believe that Malik – well, I I think that there's a mixture of he's a better quarterback at the moment because he's a redshirt freshman and he's already spent a year – in the program. So he knows, he understands and knows a little bit more about the program. Um, I don't, I mean, what do they, what do they have to lose or gain by not playing him? Would be my question. Like, are they losing it? Are they losing anything by not playing him? No, probably not. Unless he's going to transfer, which I don't think he will. Are they gaining anything by not playing him? Not really. They're still winning games. Like, what are your thoughts? I, I, I would like to. I, personally, I'd like to see him. Like, I, I understand you. You want to stick with one guy. You don't really want to go back and forth. Um, but we've seen Malik Murphy now in two games. He's hovering above a he's about at a 55 percent completion percentage and he's thrown just as many interceptions as he has touchdowns. If Arch Manning was truly the number, was he the number one rated quarterback or did he fall to number two? If he truly was was the five star number one rated quarterback in last year's class. And that and that grade wasn't juiced a little bit by the last name Manning. You can't convince me he would be any worse than Malik Murphy. Um, but again, 
we're not in those practices, so so we really have no way of knowing. Texas is winning ball games, so until they, I mean, I mean they almost blew it, but until they lose one, there's not really much to call into question. Yep. All right, let's let's go ahead and talk about Kansas going in to Ames, Iowa, and beating Iowa State 28 to 21. This was an impressive win for Kansas. Their defense hasn't played very well all year, and they hold Iowa State to 21 points. And really, it was it was like 18 points. Iowa State kicked a field goal in the in the last few minutes of the game. I mean, 18 points. That's that's pretty solid for for what Kansas has been allowing throughout this entire season. Yeah, no, and and not to mention that their defense also scored a touchdown. They got a pick six. So. I thought Jason Bean played pretty well in this game. I thought their off their offense was explosive at times. Otherwise, it was you know there were times it was just stagnant. Again, you have to credit Iowa State's defense. They're you know year in and year out they seem to even if they're not the best team have a top three or four defense in the league. Um, but yeah, Kansas's defense came to play. Uh, they got the pick six. They they hold Iowa State to 21 points. So they they kind of honestly put the team on their back this game and. Uh, yeah, Tanner, uh, Jack Trice Stadium, Ames, Iowa, night game, tough place to play. Kansas hasn't won there, and I forget what they said, but it's been 20, 25 years since they've won at Iowa State in general. Um, it's also been since 2008 that they finished with a winning record. Well, Tanner, they are now 7-2. and two. They are guaranteed, doesn't matter what happens the rest of the year, they will be above 500. So if you're a Kansas fan, look – there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with, with Jalen Daniels. I would assume um, there, there's so many rumors at so many things. He he could be gone. He could be LSU's next quarterback next year, Oregon's next quarterback when Bo Nix finally leaves after 10 years in college. But look, Jason Bean has been really good. He's a legit starter. That's what it is. He's, he's a legit starter. There's no reason that he couldn't be playing quarterback at most schools in Division I was literally about to say, I could read you a handful of schools right now in this conference that would pay money to have Jason Bean as their starting quarterback. Absolutely. He he is the epitome, the epitome, well, the epitome of a dual threat quarterback. He has speed. When he gets out in the field, he is fast. He also has a pretty decent arm and makes – Good decisions as well. He, sure, he he can make bad decisions. He threw two interceptions late in the game against Oklahoma State that might have cost them the game. But other than other than a, a handful of bad throws, he he's made good decisions all year. I, I just think that they have his dual threat ability. He's got, and, and I know every single dual threat quarterback is going to be compared to this guy. He's got a little bit of Johnny Manziel in him where he gets out of the pocket and you're just like, as an opposing fan, you hold your breath and you're like, oh no, because the imp- the way he's able to improvise and his receivers, you can tell are on the same page as him. They're always running back to the ball, the same direction he's scrambling in. There are so many times, Tanner, that he runs and it looks like he's running out of real estate. He's got like four more yards and he's going to be pushed out of bounds or sacked or whatever. And he flings the ball practically like across his body, which you're not supposed to do. And one of his receivers has five yards of separation from the defensive back. So really, again, I, I know this hasn't been the way that Kansas fans thought this season would go. 
in the terms of the way it's played out. But if you sat them down at the beginning of the year and said, hey, you're going to be seven and two heading into the final three game stretch. You're going to have a better record than Kansas State up to this point. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they would have taken that in a heartbeat. Absolutely. All right, Greg, let's go ahead and talk about a nice little uh, newcomer upset, maybe. Houston beats Baylor in overtime, 25 to 24. This is this is not expected, if I have to say so. Um, finally, Tanner, that someone broke my streak. It, I, I finally did. did. Someone finally proved me wrong. I, I picked Baylor 50-50 game. Got to go with the legacy Big 12 team, but Houston proved me wrong. Um, so g- good on them. Tanner, this was an this was an ugly game. This was a really ugly game. I think McLean Stadium was half full. On, <laughs> they tried to do a whiteout at home, and I think they showed more bleachers than they did fans wearing white T-shirts in the in the stands. Um, yeah, th- th- this was a little bit. This was not a. Ah, this is one of those games is not a good look for the conference. And you, we we had this conversation months ago. Um, not okay, months ago, a month ago, about Dave Aranda. Is he on the hot seat? Is he not? What what has to happen for him to be on the hot seat if he's not? Tanner, I'm. I don't know about you, but I'm there. Baylor, like they went from Big 12 champions, Sugar Bowl champions, winning a New Year's Six Bowl to 500 last year to at best they're going to be 500 this year. There's no way they're winning out. They're three and six and they're losing to Houston at home, who's not good. Like Houston's gotten better, but let's make no mistake, Tanner. Houston's not a good football team. Yep. And, and, And Baylor loses to them at home in overtime. Yep. I do have to say, Greg, that this is the quintessential good usage of analytics here. You go into overtime, Baylor scores first, then U.S. Houston score touchdown. The longer that this game progresses, the odds grow in favor of the home team winning. This is just this is just normal knowledge across football. The more that you continue to play in a home team stadium, the more likely they're going to win. So you might as well just bite the bullet right there. Dana Holgerson. And he's Houston never been afraid. He's never been afraid to bite the bullet. <laughs> they go. They go for two in the first overtime. They get it. They win. It's as it's as easy as that. Especially when you and and credit to Donovan Smith. It was a great play call. A, a, a delayed quarterback draw. It was per, again perfect play call, but. Makes it a lot easier when you have a dual threat quarterback like that, especially one that's as as big as Donovan Smith is. So even let's say he got met at the goal line, there's a better than 50 percent chance that he's able to to overpower a linebacker and, and just get a little forward. push and yeah. fall forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Greg, I do have I do have one question for you. If I told you that Blake Shapin threw for 263 yards, two touchdowns and one pick, what would you say? I'd say that's a Blake Shapin C plus B minus game. I would have. That's what I he seemingly guessed, always does. I would have said that that was like a that was his average throughout the games the entire season. <laughs> just yeah, just normal. That's it. Yeah, um, Blake, Blake Shapin's always good for for two fifty, a touchdown or two, and one turnover every week without fail. Yep. 
They, they, you know, Tanner, I, I like I, Blake Shapin's not a bad quarterback. They, they, they need to do some major overhauls this offseason. We're not there yet. I know we've got a month left of the season, but they, they um, from from staffing down, they, they need to do some major overhauls. I couldn't agree more. They're definitely going to be using the transfer portal this offseason. All right, Greg, let's talk about UCF going into Cincinnati and pulling out another close game. They win 28 to 26 in Cincinnati. Cincinnati is now two and seven on the year. They have not won a single conference game. Um, tough look for them. This was also another really ugly game. John Rice Plumlee doesn't even throw for a touchdown. Emory Jones throws for a touchdown and an interception. Just, just kind of a gross game. Yeah, this was a, this was another one that we don't need to spend much time on this one. Um, but UCF did exactly what they want to do. They ran the ball. They ran for 228 yards, nearly six yards of carry, and four touchdowns. So that allowed them to control the clock, control the tempo, um, and and seemingly that's what that's what UCF wants to do. So they were able to control it. Cincinnati still played well enough to win. They had a chance at the end to they were going for two to tie the game, which would have probably sent it into overtime, uh, and and they weren't able to get it. It was kind of a last second like bobble catch and um re- really a, a low per- UCF defended it well they, they did not no one like flat out dropped it or anything so um yeah UCF picked up a good win I I, I said last week I think they're the better team um even though they were on the road I, I I tend I probably take home field advantage way more into account than I should I'm a huge home field advantage guy um but I I, I did pick UCF because I, I thought they were the better team and I think this game played out pretty much how I thought it might. Yeah, I agree with you. This is also another game of Cincinnati having a very solid offensive output, over 500 yards of offense, but only 26 points to show for it. It's just, I think that they've, they've done this recently twice, I believe where they, they, they outgain their opponents, but still lose. Like it, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. And honestly, they they have a good defense. They have a really stout defensive line. It just doesn't it, it doesn't really make sense to me how they're outgaining their opponents, have a decent defense, but still continue to lose games. Yeah, I mean, I think that they are having just growing pains. I mean, you have uh, Scott Satterfield as a first year head coach and um I, I don't think anyone really expected them to come into this year, even though they're the team out of the newcomers that has had the most success recently. And the fact that they were in the playoff two years ago, we all know almost every player on that team is is gone. Uh, even the coach is gone. So uh, I don't think really anyone expected them to come in and, and, and do great, but I'd be lying if I said I'd, I'd I thought they'd get at least one conference win. And and now looking at their schedule, I mean, their best chances on the road at Houston this weekend. And if, and, and if they don't win this weekend, they're going to intend barring a yep. huge upset. Yep. All right, Greg, let's, let's talk a little bit about Bedlam here. Oklahoma state hosts Oklahoma. Oklahoma state pulls out a one score victory, 27 to 24. In the last Bedlam, it was a fantastic game. You and I were both there for it. We got to witness a fantastic game. Greg, what do you what are your thoughts on on this one overall? 
It was a, it was a really good game. I think from from an Oklahoma State's fans' perspective, I had a really difficult time like enjoying this game while it was being played because I was so nervous. I was so nervous. I was I was just holding my breath, waiting for us to do something to, to screw it up, to do something we normally do in Bedlam. And and Tanner, OU was the team to do that. They had two poor snaps. One in the first half, which I don't know if it was supposed to be a direct snap to the running back, but the running back catches the snap and tries to give it to Dylan Gabriel. Meanwhile, two linebackers are closing in and uh, they tackle them while they're exchanging the ball. So it's a fumble and OSU recovers. Uh, And then probably the biggest one being in the fourth quarter, OSU takes the lead after um, some controversial calls. We can touch on that in a second. OSU takes the lead on a, on an Ollie Gordon touchdown run, and OU gets the ball back down three, still six, seven, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And first first play, Tanner, I mean, again, credit to the OSU fans. Boom Pickett Stadium was nuts. It was so loud in there. It was probably the best I've ever seen it. Uh, center can't hear Dylan Gabriel, miscommunication, snaps it before Gabriel's expecting it, goes off his shin, OSU recovers. Um, now, of course, they kicked the field goal. OU had a couple more chances to win it down the stretch. Um, but yeah, it was a it was an amazing game. I think um, I think OSU was definitely the better team. I'm very confident in saying that they played better. They played cleaner football. Oh, it could have been way worse for OU. They they had two fumbles that they recovered. They had a muff punt, and Dylan Gabriel had a fumble that bounced right back up into his chest. Um, so Tanner, this one could have been, at least from my point of view, OSU could have won this by 10 or 13. I don't, I don't disagree with you there. Um, I'm not sure for all of our listeners, if you're that involved on social media and, or follow OU fans or COU fans on Twitter, but there were many cries of anguish because of a missed pass interference call in the end zone on Drake Stoops in the fourth quarter well that's that is fair the refs blatantly missed a pass interference call in the end zone i i as an oklahoma state fan am willing to fully admit that that was a that was a missed call by the ref however that did not lose oklahoma the game like greg mentioned there were so so many times that ou just played sloppy they just had sloppy plays from the fumbles to the interception to it, it just wasn't it wasn't a clean game. There were also many, many penalties by OU that cost that cost them yardage. I mean, in one play, Oklahoma State hasn't has an incompletion. There was a pass interference on that play. And then Brent Venables gets another 15 yards. So it goes from an incompletion to a 30 yard gain just like that. Because there were boneheaded mistakes. And OSU was OSU was backed up inside their own ten yard line. They they threw a, a a vertical route from the eight yard line. So that that was a huge. Those were two huge penalties. Exactly. And that was on that was on the drive that that was on OSU's what ended up being OSU's go ahead touchdown drive. Exactly. So ultimately, the refs didn't lose the game. But yes, there was a there's a miss pass interference call. There's miss pass interference calls all the time. That doesn't lose teams the game. What loses you the game? Tanner, guess what? Guess what? What? I'm here to tell you right now. 
we don't care. We don't care. <laughs> we don't care. St- Stephen oh, A. Smith, yeah. we we don't care. OU fans can cry as much as they want to. I, I know I'm being a little mean here. They can cry as much as they want to. Tanner, I cannot tell you over the years how many times I've watched an OU game and they're like, oh, my gosh, it's Sooner Magic. We won. I'm like, dude, there were three blown calls that went in your favor that helped you guys win the game. And as an OSU fan, it drives me absolutely nuts, the calls that they've gotten in Bedlam over the years. So to see them get screwed over by a call that ultimately did not cost them the game. Tanner, they had two or three more possessions after that that they could have driven down the field and scored a touchdown on. They had chances. Also, um, also just when you have a when so you, happy when you have a fourth down play call. Maybe, I don't know, try calling a play that goes past the past the first down marker. That that might be a good idea, too. I don't know. It's a wild idea, Tanner. I mean, I don't <laughs> I don't the blasphemies you're you're insinuating right now on this podcast. No, they and uh, the, the other thing here, too, is it, it's poor coaching. Uh, I mean, you already mentioned Brent Venable's 15 year penalty. You can't do that. If you're if you're a coach, you need to. I mean, this is putting it way too simple. Your job is to help your team win, not penalize them, not put them in a worse spot. And he, and he put them in a worse spot. Um, and 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 he put them in a worse spot on that penalty. And then he doesn't have the the awareness of the fact that there's a minute left on the clock. On fourth down and five, the clock's running. You're scrambling to get a play in. I mean, what are the odds? that when you're scrambling to get a play in, that it's going to go perfect. It's not very high. You call timeout. You've got one to burn. You call timeout. It's that's the game. You don't have another chance. If you don't get it clearly, that's what happened. Um, And, and, you know, OU, I mean, Drake soup still caught. It was a heck of a catch and honestly a heck of an effort to extend the ball as far as he could. Like I'm shocked that he was able to catch the ball over his left shoulder and then turn over his right shoulder to reach the ball as far as he could. And it was still a yard and a half short. So, I mean, great effort by Drake Stoops. He probably was the best, second best receiver on the field on Saturday. If you are comparing him to Rashad Owens for OSU, um, he had a heck of a game. But, yeah, I'm a terrible, terrible play call. Yeah. Okay. Greg, let's let's go ahead and do a quick convo about the one blowout from the weekend. West Virginia hosts BYU and absolutely blow them out. It was 37 to nothing before BYU even scored in the fourth quarter. Um, I do have to say this this game doesn't necessarily have an asterisk, but Keaton Slovis for BYU did not play in this game. Um, and it wasn't, I think, Greg, I think you mentioned that it wasn't even announced until the day before the game that he wasn't going to play. So we, we had no knowledge of this last weekend or last week when we picked, we still picked West Virginia, but not the best showing from BYU, but also a very, very solid win from West Virginia. It's a good win. They, they've had now two back-to-back really good wins on the road at UCF and now blowing out BYU at home. Uh, Tanner, BYU's in a tough spot. I mean, backup quarterback, you just went on the road and got your butts kicked by Texas. Now you got to fly all the way out to Morgantown, West Virginia, on the opposite end of the country. I mean, I'm again. I know I take home field advantage way too much into account, but when you're when you're talking about you know young college students 
having to to put that stress like and this is something about this new conference that we haven't really spent a lot of time talking we haven't had a lot of instances of this yet but i mean byu going from utah to texas back to utah and then from utah to west virginia to play in back-to-back weeks that's tough that's real tough so west virginia took care of business um but yeah i mean um byu is definitely kind of they're they're on a little little decline here and that is actually going to play in into one of my picks for this next weekend. Well, but, Tanner, let me let me recap our our locks. So we oh we, yes, thank you. So, so we both we both for back to back weeks we both got it right. Uh, I had Kansas State plus four and a half. They did lose, but Tanner they only lost by three. So uh, shout out to Kansas State for not blowing my lock. Uh, and then you had Kansas minus two and a half, and they easily covered that, winning by a touchdown. So good for you, good for me. Um, you are now five and six on the year. So really a, a good turnaround for you after, I mean, your, your record was looking, we were really on that fade Tanner train there for a couple of weeks. Um, but, but you've turned it around and then I'm up to eight and three, um, which, uh, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I, I feel great about, I'm pretty, pr- <laughs> I'm pretty proud of eight. Good and three. stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Also, before we get into making our, p- our picks for week 11, we we should mention the new CFP rankings as they came out tonight. We're recording this on November 7th. This is a Tuesday. So we have Texas at 7. We have Oklahoma State at 15. Kansas at 16. Oklahoma at 17. And Kansas State at 25. I honestly think that these are uh, pretty solid. I I don't think that they really missed. I'm, I'm a little surprised that Kansas State is still ranked. But I, underst- I understand why they're still ranked ultimately because it was it was an overtime loss at the number seven team in the country so i i get it but being six and three is surprising there's only one other six and three team ranked in the cfp and that is future big 12 member arizona so i just wanted to to and, shout and that let, out let me clarify i'm not i don't think we're surprised um because we don't think they should be ranked but because a big 12 team not named ou in texas that is six and three usually gets overlooked majorly exactly. So um, I do think Kansas State is a top 25 team. Exactly, Greg. Okay, Greg, who do you want to put on upset alert this week? Tanner, I feel like this is almost cheating. Um, three weeks, this would be three weeks in a row. I put OU on upset alert against Kansas. They lost. I put OU on upset alert against Oklahoma State. They lost. I'm just going to do it again. I'm putting OU on upset alert at home this weekend. They are a 12 and a half point favorite against Tanner. Your apparently, allegedly, your second favorite Big 12 school, West Virginia. Uh, Tanner, I think this is another case of you have two teams, one trending in the right direction and one trending in the in the not so right direction, <laughs> the wrong direction. Um, I am still like I'm literally still sitting here debating on who I'm going to pick for this game because I, I think it's going to be a, a very close game. West Virginia has is is massively improved. They have taken care of business the last two weeks. They've proven they can win on the road. Um, playing at UCF at 11 a.m. Is, is not the hardest environment to play in, but still they've proven they can win on the road. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm putting OU on upset alert. They are they're not healthy either. They're, they're not healthy. Um, whereas I think 
Uh, I mean, to be fair, neither is West Virginia, at least defensively. Um, but like I said, West Virginia is hot. OU is is on a two-game slide, and um, it could be a, could have been a three-game slide. They could have lost to UCF. So I, I've got OU on upset alert. What about you? I have been thinking. I know that I've been down on them all year, but I think that there's a chance that Texas Tech goes into Lawrence and beats Kansas. I just kind of have a weird feeling. I'm not sure. But I'm just putting Kansas on upset alert. That's all. Okay. Well, Greg, why don't we go ahead and pick that game anyways? Let's go Texas Tech. A very confident upset alert from you. (laughs) Texas Tech visiting Kansas. Kansas is currently a three and a half point favorite. That line is a little suspect to me. Um, but who do you have? Or two and a half, depending on what book you have. Are you seeing two and a half? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what I'm seeing. I'm. Let's just go with three and a half. All right. Because that's what ESPN has. All right. I I have Kansas. Um, it's interesting you say that. I think we're kind of um we we switched places here. I know you've been really down on Texas Tech this whole year. I've been. I've been trying to maintain my confidence in them, which I ended up just losing all like altogether two weeks ago. Um, but no, I, I have uh, Kansas. I think they the, the the chances aren't extremely high. I understand that. Um, I mean, OSU would have to lose two out of the next three or Texas would have to lose two out of the next three. But there is a mathematical chance still that Kansas can make the Big 12 championship game. And look, even for a program that that has probably a 2% chance of making that game, you're talking about a very prideful program and the fact that they, like, each win, they're making history. If they win eight, it's the first time they've won eight since 2008. If they win nine, first time they've won nine. If they can get to 10 wins, first 10 win season, I mean, this is a really big deal. Um, I don't know if they will pack the booth this weekend, Tanner, but regardless, I will take Kansas. Okay. I am also going with Kansas on this one. I know I, I said that I would put them on upset alert, but I'm going Kansas on this one. I do think it'll be interesting to see what Texas Tech does with uh, having – Baron Morton back for their second week. And that's that's kind of why my suspicion is that this line is a little bit closer than we would expect it to be. But I'm going with Kansas on this one as well. All right, Greg. Um, so, yeah, that Texas Tech game, Texas Tech-Kansas game is the only game in the morning slate. The afternoon slate, we have Baylor visiting Kansas State. Kansas State is currently a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. Wow. I mean – if I don't go with Kansas State on this one, I'm crazy, right? I'm going with Kansas State. Yeah, me too. I mean, we really don't need I'll, – I'll just be interested to see if they cover or not, frankly. I'll be interested to see what if they cover. If they cover, I think that there's a chance that we hear some news out of Waco next week. I'll leave Ooh. it at that. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um. Second game of the afternoon slate, we have Oklahoma State visiting UCF. Oklahoma State's currently a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This game actually opened when the when the spreads opened up. Oklahoma State was only a one-point favorite, which really surprised me. Tanner, you know what they're taking into account? The Space Unis. This is the UCF Space game, man. 
nervous. Uh, post post bedlam potential, you know, letdown moment from uh, going going from such an emotional high in a huge game in a in a crazy environment that where the fans are behind you to kind of the complete opposite. You're going to a um, you know a subpar UCF team, but one that's really shown a lot of improvement over the last couple of weeks in their infamous space game. This will be the first uh, Big 12 conference space game. I personally, I don't really know what to expect. Um, I will be honest. I am thankful that they did not give UCF the night slot for their space game. I will take to a 2.30 kick all day. Would have preferred an 11 a.m., frankly. Um, but I, I'll, I'll take a 2.30 kick because I, I think even at, four and five um the space game feels like one of those where the students will show up anyway so um yeah it makes me nervous but i'm taking the better team tanner i'm taking oklahoma state okay greg i'm just gonna say this that oklahoma state and ucf are known in some circles in my circles for having good aerospace engineering programs but Oklahoma State has the superior aerospace engineering program, and that is the sole reason – I don't care who's a better team. That is the sole reason I'm taking Oklahoma State <laughs> to win this game in Orlando, Florida. Okay, it's, great. It's that, ty- it's that type <laughs> of logic that that gets you an undefeated week, Tanner. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, um, Greg, let's talk about your upset alert. West Virginia visits Oklahoma. Um, West Virginia 6-3. and three. Oklahoma seven and two. OU is currently a twelve and a half point favorite, according to ESPN. I am going to take OU. I know you put them on upset alert, but I think that they're going to have a little bit of a bounce back week this week and not go on a on a complete three game slide. Tanner, I don't have the exact data for you, but I can I can speak in confidence that my upset alert has a sub 500 no no sorry not sub 500 above 500 winning percentage the teams i put on upset alert tanner i don't know what it is started with week one me putting texas tech on upset alert randomly against wyoming i did some research on wyoming i was like man you know what not thinking too hard about this we're putting tech on upset alert and it's it's continued and it hasn't been perfect but my upset alert like is i I, uh, I I don't ever want to put Oklahoma State on upset alert because I, I don't want that, the bad vibes there. <laughs> I don't want the bad vibes. So, you know what? Uh, screw it. I'm I'm picking in my upset alert. I'm, I'm going to finally listen to myself. I'm taking the 12 and a half point dogs. Give me West Virginia. All right. I love it. Okay. Now we are into the evening slate. We have Cincinnati visiting Houston. Gross. Houston's currently a two-point favorite. This game is going to be disgusting as all get out. I'm going to take the home team on this one. I think that we have had this logic for the last two years now, Greg, that we've been recording this podcast, and I'm going to continue that. I'm going to Houston. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do the same. Um, I think if this was two weeks ago, same teams, same spread, same location, I, I would have actually taken Cincinnati. But I think they're on – I, I think just with each loss, I think the um, the confidence lowers, the uh, the morale lowers. Whereas Houston didn't start off great, 
But then randomly they, you know, they take Texas down to the wire. I mean, they got their butts kicked by Kansas State the next week, but they take Texas down to the wire, lose to Kansas State, and then they come back, they upset Baylor on the road. I I think that team is trending, I don't want to say upward, but they're at least still fighting. Whereas with Cincinnati, I, I just am unsure as to what the morale looks like on that sideline. So I'll, I'll take Houston and what I expect to be, frankly, a, a, a dead environment. Um, I'm almost, th- th- this is one of those things where I, I look at the teams, I look at the record, you know, it's a tough look for the Big 12, man. This is not, this is not yeah. what you think of when you think of a Big 12 conference game. But it is also the newcomers, and we kind of expected this, so I also understand it. All right, Greg, let's 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 talk about this Texas TCU game. So number seven, Texas goes into Fort Worth, uh, takes on TCU. Texas is currently a ten point favorite, and Greg, I'm a little confused. Why is this game the evening the evening slate on ABC? That doesn't really make any sense to me. I think they're just hoping they see Arch Manning. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Greg, I'm going I'm going Texas Texas on this one, and I think that I'm actually going to I'll I'll just say this out loud right now. I'm going to make Texas minus ten my lock of the week. Wow, wow, that is that that is shocking. Um, for for being the Texas hater that you are, now you've got to sit there this weekend and cheer for Texas and cheer against your. Oh no, I, so, no, I'm not I'm not cheering for Texas. I'm I just know that they're going to beat TCU by more than 10 points. Well, that's all Tanner, it is. I, I become a, I become a fan of whichever team I, I choose as my lock. I, I take it that seriously for the week and the week only. Um, I'm also taking Texas. I think you asked why this is on primetime ABC. Uh, Tanner, Texas is a legitimate, like they, if they win out, they will be in the playoff. No questions asked. Um, and they are doing this without their starting quarterback. Now, Quinn Ewers could be back this week. Like you mentioned earlier, Tanner, I doubt they push him to come back. Um, TCU is, is, I mean, they're good for an upset. But I, I just, I don't see it. I, I don't see it, especially with their with their quarterback situation. Um, Josh Hoover has not been great. Uh, I'll, I'll take Texas. All right. And then the... Late night Big 12 game. We have Iowa State visiting BYU. Iowa State's currently a six and a half point favorite. Greg, who do you have? Tanner, this is actually one I've gone back and forth on more times than I would have thought. If BYU, if I knew, if I knew sitting here today that BYU had Keaton Slovis, I think I would pick BYU. Um, because of the fact that it is an unknown. I, I looked it up. He's I, I believe he's day to day. Their coach even said he has to earn his starting spot back. It, it's not it's not a given. There's a weird quote. I, I'm not entirely sure I, I agree with that sentiment, especially after getting 30 piece by West Virginia with your backup. I don't think he did anything to prove that there'd be a competition. Um, but I will take Iowa State because of just the unknown uh, commodity uh of which is BYU's quarterback um however this pick does scare me I I don't pick that with a lot of confidence because you know me Tanner uh I love a good home field advantage and BYU's got one of the best ones in the country uh best ones in the conference at least okay I'm I'm taking BYU despite their quarterback situation one 
home field advantage. Two, travel. Three, late night game. This game will start at 9.15 in Ames. Iowa State will not be prepared for how late this game is. I know it's not going to be, it might not seem like a big deal, but it will be a big deal. Rocco Beck does not care about your late night kickoff, Tanner. (laughs) Give me Rocco Beck. Let's go. Oh, boy. All right. Well, Greg, do you have anything else to say to the listeners? We Sorry, everybody. Yes, we went a yes, little long. I got to lock in my lock of oh, the week. Oh, yes, yes. Um, I will I already talked about it. Don't need to elaborate. I will take Kansas minus three and a half at home against Texas Tech. Um, uh, I, I know I'm high on Baron Morton, and I know I, I, I've been – was high on Texas Tech at the beginning of the year, but um, this feels too low to me. Feels too low. Jason Bean's been playing too well to um, for me to, to to pick against them. So I'll take Kansas minus three and a half. Um, Tanner, I'm seeing a trend. I feel like I've only picked like three teams on my lock this entire year. Yeah, pretty much. OSU, Kansas, Kansas State. But you know what? For the most part, they haven't done me wrong. And when I veered outside of my little circle of Midwestern teams, <clears throat> West Virginia. Uh, they screwed me over, so I, I'm I'm sticking with what's worked this year in Kansas. I don't. They they lost me one. I pick a, I picked against them once, and 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 they lost it for me. I I picked BYU to cover. I think like a ten point spread, or a or a nine and a half point spread, and Kansas beat them by ten or something like that. So, look, Kansas has been good at covering the spread this year. I'm sticking with them. Okay, all right. Um, everybody, thank you for sticking with us. We have we just had a lot to talk about this week between uh, Kansas State and Texas and Bedlam and some of the poor performances by traditionally decent programs. So we thank you for sticking with us. Um, I am so excited for the coming weeks of college football and also the start of college basketball season. It's it's a great time. It's an absolute great time. Um, and we're entering November. We're almost to Thanksgiving. It's, it's just a fantastic time to be alive and to be a sports fan. All right, everybody. We thank you. We love you. Goodbye.